Hey now, we are getting over and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times. That is, with your AEW NJPW Forbidden Door Ultimate Preview. That's right, getting over is back once again and it is Thursday so you know exactly what that means. We are breaking down everything that happened this past week in the world of AEW during the final and really only portion of the build for this second annual Forbidden Door pay-per-view. Vintage Chris Vanini is along for the ride. We will get to him momentarily. First, to kick off this show, a reminder that this podcast is all about Defied. So be sure to leave those five-star ratings and reviews for us on Apple, on Spotify. You can leave a five-star rating and put comments on individual episodes. Please do all of that because it means a lot. It gives people reason to listen to the show and start becoming getting overheads themselves. Speaking of becoming getting overheads. I happen to love the number five. And I hope you do too, because for only $5 a month, you can become an official getting overhead over at buymeacoffee.com slash getting over. You support the show with that $5 a month. You also get bonus audio and news posts. And for anyone who is already a getting overhead, you know that we hit strongly on that news. Again, buymeacoffee.com slash getting over. Also, do not forget to follow us on Twitter at getting overcast for news, episode drops, highlights, analysis, all that good stuff. Once again, on Twitter at getting overcast. And you're especially gonna wanna follow us this week because we will have pre and post show polls available for AEW NJPW Forbidden Door. So you get to give us your expectation grade and your final grade for the show. And all of that will impact our coverage of it on our AEW NJPW Forbidden Door Instant Reaction Podcast. That comes out Sunday as soon as this pay-per-view goes off the air. We've already had a busy week here at Getting Over, our WWE episode on Tuesday covered Jey Uso pulling the trigger and kicking Roman Reigns head off, fully imploding the bloodline with Logan Paul, jumping into the men's money in the bank match. And of course, the Seth Rollins, Finn Balor stuff bubbling up. On our Wednesday episode, we did a full recap of NXT Gold Rush, and we welcomed WWE ring announcer Samantha Irvin for an exclusive sit-down interview. And of course, right now you're getting your ultimate preview for Forbidden Door. And like I said, the instant reaction coming up on Sunday. So Chris, welcome to the show. It has already been a busy week and I'm excited to break down what we're getting this coming Sunday from AEW and NJPW. Yeah, good to be here. Second time this week. I won't be able to do the instant reaction. So I wanted to make sure and get on the ultimate preview because this is a pretty exciting card. I'm, I'm looking forward to the show. And Forbindor was probably AEW's best show last year. Mm-hmm. And I think hopes are high. Hopes are high again. Expectations are, as far as I'm concerned, through the roof more than any other reason because of the co-main event, but especially the main event match itself, Brian Danielson against Kazuchika Okada. Now, we will get to that later in the show. We're going to start by breaking down everything that happened on Dynamite and Rampage this week that does not directly relate to Forbidden Door, or at least it doesn't need to be discussed as part of a preview of it. Then we will get to the AEW NJPW Forbidden Door Ultimate Preview right after that. And for those who may be wondering, hey, Silver King, what about Collision? We already discussed that. We had an instant reaction show for AEW Collision on Saturday. So hit the podcast feed. You can listen to our takes on the first episode, the return of CM Punk, all that good stuff. And I'll tell you, this coming Sunday for Forbidden Door, I assume I'm going to work in some of the Collision stuff that happens on Saturday and probably Rampage on Friday 
into that show, we're all messed up here right now from a scheduling standpoint. And with Collision and Dynamite now both existing as two-hour live shows, we're probably going to have some changes to the weekly getting over schedule on top of everything else. So for these this past week and this upcoming week, things are going to be a little random, but we will settle into a new schedule going forward. All right, Chris, no more time is left to be wasted. Let's get into the breakdowns of everything that happened this week. Straight up, though, before we get into like the match-by-match and segment-by-segment stuff, Dynamite for me on Wednesday, I thought it was a huge step down from both Dynamite and Collision last week. I thought those were two of the better shows that AEW has done this year. You could make an argument they were the one and two best shows that AEW has done this year. So because of that, this week's was going to be difficult to live up to it anyway. I found this to be lackluster with nearly every forbidden door match just like being rushed into existence. AEW always has an issue with their go home shows because like more than half the show is and is is about promoting future shows and not the upcoming pay-per-view. Like you said, there wasn't a ton of forbidden door stuff. And it's a little bit different guys are coming in from Japan, maybe that makes it a little bit more difficult, but every time a go home show comes around, we're like starting with a match that's going to lead into the next week's dynamite and next week's rampage and collision. And you're like previewing like three different shows when you should just be focusing on the pay-per-view because we're really excited for the pay-per-view. So there's a lot of stuff to go through here that has nothing to do with the show. Exactly. So, all right, let's get to AEW. And most of this is dynamite. There's a little rampage mixed in. Uh, Let's talk about this tag team tournament blind eliminator draw. So, There was a lottery barrel backstage with Tony Schiavone pulling two names, not announcing who they were, making a face and then saying the brackets would be announced next week. So first of all, unless I miss something, and it's very possible I did, AEW has not explained this at all. Why are they drawing random names? Is everyone in this tournament going to be paired up randomly? If so, Why even do that when the tag team titles are on the line and you have one of the best tag team rosters ever assembled, some say. And then on top of that, and again, perhaps I misunderstood last week, I thought the Eliminator was actually starting or happening in totality this week. The way they announced it, I thought we were basically getting a gauntlet match where no one knew who the teams were going to be that were involved, making it a blind Eliminator. But now that it wasn't happening on the show, we couldn't even get the results of the fucking draw on Wednesday. Literally only one team. We're going to talk about that team in a minute. But that makes last week an announcement of a draw where this week they announced a bracket, yet they didn't even give us the results of the draw. Then next week we get the bracket, (laughs) but do the matches start also? And are they running three brackets simultaneously? Because... Now they have the Owen Hart tournaments and those are starting this week. So am I crazy? Like, seriously, am I, did I miss something here or is this exactly what's happening? I was completely confused as well. Also, is this a bracket to determine a number one contender? I think so. I think it is. So why not just call it a number one contender tournament? Eliminator, the idea of eliminator is you fight the champion. Right, and, and then you, you fight, win, you, you fight the champion, and if you contender. and if you win, then you get a title match, and if you don't, then you're eliminated from contention for a period of time. So does the winner of this tournament get a shot at the champions to get a number one contender shot if they win? 
Or I think losing in the tournament eliminates you from contention. And then the last team. But if they're all just blind, but if they're all just randomly thrown together. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't even matter. Right. It was very weird. And this is what I'm saying. Again, AEW has so many things going on. Yeah. You're previewing matches for collision. You're previewing dynamite. You're previewing a tournament. You've got the Owen Hart Cup. By the way, you have a pay-per-view this week. That's it was just it was a lot to take in. And this was a prime example of that. I was going to mention this later, but since you brought it up. So at the end of dynamite on Wednesday, and we're not trying to complain, (laughs) complain here. There's a lot of positives that happened. No, we're excited. for Yeah, we're excited for Forbidden Door. Um. But at the end of the show, before the main event segment, Excalibur did his normal rundown. And I know it's a gimmick at this point, And it's just like, how much can we give him and how fast can he say it? And some people it's like fine. it. And if you like it, cool. Like, totally fine. But I counted. I've never counted before. He ran down 21 announcements. <laughs> he, everything that he announced for Rampage and Collision was not known before. So the only promotion that we got, I'm sorry, there was one collision match that was announced, the eight man, which was the opening segment of Dynamite. We'll get to that a little bit later. But outside of that, every other thing that was announced for Rampage and Collision was literally brand new. We didn't know it was happening. And then you get past that and he's announcing Forbidden Door matches, almost all of which were made on the show the same night. So they're re-announcing the same matches. And then they get to the main event segment and it was two segments in one, all of which had five total minutes of TV time. The, the, the final like 10 minutes of Dynamite last week were insanely chaotic, but in a great way. This week, they yes. were insanely chaotic in like a terrible. Now, I'm not saying what happened was terrible, like the stuff with Kingston and Mox and, and uh, Danielson and Okada. We'll get to that. It was all fine. But I'm just saying it was chaotic in a bad way where you're like, there's too much happening and I'm not able to digest any of it. This goes back to I still think they need to do a hard roster split. Mm-hmm. Promote dynamite on dynamite or collision. It's just it's it's hard to keep track of everything. All right, let's get to some positive stuff, okay? Uh, on dynamite, Adam Cole put over his match with MJF last week, admitting he didn't win, but then he pointed out, hey, MJF didn't win either. So Cole, of course, wanted a rematch. MJF got cheap heat, and then he got shut the fuck up chance, which TBS doesn't bleep. So WWE is bleeping shit and fox is bleeping 30 seconds of the air because heaven forbid someone says shit but tbs they're letting fuck right on the air totally cool um mjf put over cole for coming back better than ever crediting himself for dragging it out of him mjf refused the rematch with the excuse being he cares too much about cole's health and his well-being they got heated so tony Schiavone started speaking with both telling him to shut up simultaneously in a spot that popped me massively okay Uh, He announced that the names he drew from that eliminator that we just talked about from the draw, the first one was Cole and the second one was MJF. Isn't that a coincidence? Cole refused to team with him, but MJF wasn't angry about teaming with Cole. He was angry about having to wrestle every week. Now, I personally liked everything about this. MJF and Cole, they were perfect on the mic. The way they played off each other was fantastic. It would make no sense for MJF to grant Cole a rematch and really Cole should have to earn it in kayfabe. There's a long way until all in. So them teaming here, it's going to be a nice way to stretch out their storyline. Keep the champion on TV as main challenger on TV without just spinning the wheels like AEW normally does and having Cole jump through hoops like all of MJF's opponents always do. And both of them snapping at Shivani. Like I said, Chris, it popped me because I did the same thing for my couch. 
He stood up and I'm like, dude, shut up. Like, I, I don't want to hear from you right now. They said that and it popped me massively. What I do wonder is whether the people who sarcastically make fun of WWE for the can they coexist storylines are going to have the same energy here because it's exactly the same. Sort of. WWE does the can they coexist all the time, basically every single women's championship match leading into WrestleMania. More for the um, women, but they haven't done is, it for the men in a long time. Yeah. And, and But this is a... But the, the tournament, as confusing as it is, is a fun way to do it. You know, like there's a reason they're teaming up and not just an authority figure saying, you guys are having a match together. Yeah, but the reason is like, random. Oh, cool. the, re the reason is literally the lottery cool, balls. <laughs> yeah, it was random. So like, yeah. look, it, there was, it was at least a little bit of an effort to try to explain something there. Also, like, who's going to beat them? Like, one of them is, they're going to lose a, probably at some point to somebody. I'm curious how far they go and what they go. So like, right. you're right. It's a bit of a waste to all in. So I'm looking forward to that. I think these guys do a pretty good job promo with each other. They've got some good chemistry there. I'm excited to see them kind of work through this. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I enjoyed everything about this. All right. Uh, on Dynamite, the Hardys fought the guns. This opened the show. Jeff Hardy went to the top rope for a swanton bomb late when Bullet Club ran in to distract the referee and shove him off. The guns followed with 310 to Yuma to steal the win and hand the Hardys their first AEW tag team loss. I really like that this was pointed out on commentary. The heels attacked Matt after the bell with Jay White hitting Blade Runner and Juice Robinson punching Jeff with a loaded fist. Ricky Starks made the save only to get beat. That led FTR down for another beating. BC had the momentum advantage. Fans chanted for CM Punk and cameras missed it, but he did run down and gave the faces a six on four advantage that cleared the ring. At this point, the Hardys were gone. Like they just disappeared and only CMFTR and Starks remained. Punk then set an eight-man match for Collision, saying he isn't even supposed to be there, meaning on Dynamite on Wednesday, where the elite normally are. That may have been a better line from Punk than his entire Collision promo on Saturday. I thought that was very funny. Uh, the match was good. One thing the guns definitely got from their dad is the ability to sell. They were flopping all over the place, but in the best way. It was the right finish, the right mm -hmm. winner. The consecutive saves, you know, for me, they're extremely convoluted. And it was very similar to what they did last week on Dynamite, so it was repetitive. But it did pop the Chicago crowd. It got them rowdy to start the show. And it built a match that people are going to want to see on Collision, which they failed to do on Collision this past Saturday. So that was a positive. Right. We said that after Collision. What is the reason to tune in next week? They didn't give us one, so now they're doing this. It was like, I, I come back to this again. Go home, basically your go home show and we're opening up with a tag team match that has zero to do with Forbidden Door. Mm -hmm. And so I was just like, it's kind of weird. Match was fine, enjoyed it. Really cool, the idea of the Hardys, who used to wrestle Billy Gunn, now wrestling his kids. Like, just this whole thing is a really cool dynamic there. And then you get the run-ins. Um, I was surprised they didn't play the music for run-ins. Uh, the, the, for FTR and Ricky Starks, maybe fine. But then hit CM Punk's music when he makes his run-in. You're in Chicago. Right. <laughs> Dude, like that's the whole thing. And you're right. The camera kind of missed it uh, as he ran in. You need a commentary to tell you what it was. But look, it, it's, it'll set up an eight man for collision. That's fine. That's fun. I do want CM Punk to get into stories and not just I'm wrestling with my friends. Right. FTR and we're doing a bunch of multi-man tag matches. Let's get CM Punk into a story. Ultimately, that's what we want out of him. Uh, so, yeah, enjoyed the segment. 
But again, it was all to promote the show before Forbidden Doors. So <laughs> it'll, it'll be done by then. Um, and, and you know, let's be fair. The six man on collision last week was great. So this eight man is probably going to be great it as was. well. And it's a good way. It's a good way to work punk back in and get him some, you know, ring time and shake off that rust before he has now a singles match on Forbidden Door, which we will get to in a little bit. On Dynamite, Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara and Minoru Suzuki fought Darius Martin, A.R. Fox and Action Andretti. Suzuki was awesome in one spot, just murdering Martin with an upper arm like shot right to the jaw. Guevara hit a double flying DDT. There was a nice callback finish by Andretti on Jericho. It was a false finish. Suzuki piled Joe Fox. Jericho hit Codebreaker on Andretti and then put an extremely deep walls of Jericho on Martin for the submission victory. Outside of the standard lack of tagging, it was a blast from an entertainment standpoint. I went 3.75 stars and a B plus. Yeah, really fun match. I mean, we know that team of, of Martin Fox and Andretti is, is going to put together some fun stuff. And yeah, you got Jericho, Suzuki, the older guys. It, it just, it all worked. Mm-hmm. Like not much to it, but just really fun match. And more on these guys later in the ultimate preview. Uh, Konosuke Takeshka fought Bandito on Rampage. Don Callis cut an entertaining promo in Spanglish before T- Takeshka spoke in Japanese. This was a longer than expected, yet supremely entertaining match. Takeshka hit a full top rope lariat that flipped Bandito over in a great spot. Bandito then countered into the torture rack GTS, but Takeshka countered Bandito's finisher, eventually driving a knee Viggy trigger style into his face for the win. I gave it four stars, a minus, just great wrestling. It didn't have any storytelling and the promo ahead of it was used to enhance Takeshka's profile, but really it was just a throwaway match. Chris, do you have anything here? No, just very much a rampage thing. Yeah. Have a fun match. Doesn't mean anything, but it was good. On Dynamite, we had a TBS championship match. Chris Statlander against Taya Valkyrie backstage at Rampage. Taya was suddenly a heel because now she's challenging for the same title she was before, but it's held by a babyface. Her anger was over Stat getting the fruits of the work she put in against Jade, but, you know, Stat being the one who benefited with the title. And that's a legit take, I would say. Uh, Stat mm-hmm. offered a title shot for Wednesday and Taya responded, I'll see you when I see you. So she didn't directly accept it. And this was taped, so they should have kind of redone this segment because the match happened anyway on, on Dynamite. So Taya went on a run and hit the sliding German suplex. Stat came back with a superplex and Wednesday Night Fever to retain the title. My Lord, has this title been elevated getting it off Jade? Uh, there's nothing really to talk about here, but I gave the match 3.5 stars and a B. Definitely a lot of fun. We know there's a lot of talented women on the roster, and now they can shine. I thought these two worked really well together. I love both of them. And you're right. The title just means more all of a sudden now because it's in, and the crowd seemed to react as such as well mm-hmm. because they knew it wasn't just going to be another Jade squash match. United, uh, I almost called him United Open. United Empire fought Chaos on Rampage. Rocky Romero ate a spinning tombstone pile driver and then hidden blade from Will Ospreay with the heels getting the win after about 13 minutes. High-quality wrestling, as one would expect from everyone in the match, but it was not relevant to any storyline that has existed in the company. On Rampage, Aubrey Edwards, Mark Briscoe, and Papa Briscoe fought Karen, Jeff Jarrett, and Jay Lethal. And yes, Chris, I don't know if you watched Rampage. This is a real thing that happened. Uh, Aubrey wore her stripes, which was confusing. Karen immediately tagged out after being tagged in. When the women actually fought, it was like catfight style with slapping, two snapmares, and an eye gouge. Lethal saved Karen by eating a guitar shot. Then Aubrey countered the stroke into a figure four leg lock on Karen Jarrett for the win. The crowd liked it. And to some degree, that's all that matters. But this was not for me at all. What we can do is move to what happened on Dynamite, where Mark Briscoe fought Jarrett in a concession stand brawl. 
They had a food fight with weapons. Karen sprayed ketchup in Mark's face. Briscoe then got pushed off a ladder through a table by Sanjay Dutt. Then they got into the ring where Mark got beat three on one with no one helping him. Um, the 70 year old dad showed up and choke slammed lethal through a table. Karen then kicked the dad in the balls. Satnam Singh choke slammed Mark Briscoe. So then Christopher Daniels' best friends and Lucha Bros ran down and did stuff. And then Briscoe won via roll up in a brawl with weapons. He beat Jeff Jarrett. He beat Jeff Jarrett via roll up. So AEW basically saw the Adam Cole Chris Jericho brawl that got positive fan reaction because they did the concession stand stuff in the concourse. And they tried to force a repeat of the formula, but with no storyline reason for that specific type of stipulation. The second half of the match wasn't even by the concession stand, and it was a concession stand brawl. The crowd was entertained, and like I just said a moment ago, that is, to some degree, what is most important. But this was third-rate, shitty wrestling, something that perhaps belonged on... I mean, I don't even want to say Rampage, a a YouTube show or old Ring of Honor. This was a pay-per-view go-home show on Dynamite. And for that, I have no choice but to give it this. Zero point zero. I hate this. I hate this crap. Stop. Stop with the crap. You know, this, the, the combination of those two things... (laughs) <laughs> is the most Jeff Jarrett thing we have ever seen in wrestling. And that is a high bar. Um, the, the concession stand brawl, as he said, was like a throwback to like the Tupelo concession stand brawl back in Memphis wrestling in like the 1970s, I think it was. So like okay. th- you kind of had to know that. Sure. Just, what? <laughs> sure. <laughs> like, okay. That's what I mean. That's, that's how we explained it. And so like you had to really like go back and oh Memphis wrestling blah blah like that's how just like Jeff Jarrett this whole thing was I I know some people thought I thought somewhere along the lines it was going to be Jeff Jarrett leaving AEW if he lost so I I don't know if that's happening now or not happening now but if it was it was the most Jeff Jarrett way to go out I we'll see where he is next but it's just everything about this screamed like circus show wrestling weird stuff way back in the day it was extremely weird my the my biggest offense to it is like you said this was the go home for a pay-per-view this did not be a need to be on this show because of that by the way uh, i mentioned that excalibur ran down those 21 things uh, uh, you know at the beginning of the segment one of those things he ran down and you guys know this will pop me because i'm a huge fan of both guys we're getting swerve strickland and hiroshi tanahashi i think it's on collision like randomly announced at the end of dynamite (laughs) with no build. We're getting swerve and Tanahashi. I'm not saying it's a dream match because I've never even put that in my brain as something I would consider, but Holy shit. Do I want to see that? And it just was, okay. And it was just announced as part of 21 things at the end of dynamite. Right. How do you not have a segment promoting that as opposed to everything we just mentioned with Jeff Jarrett. Hey, like, Tanahashi, you want a chance at the AEW title? You got to get past me first. That's all you need to do. Yeah, they do a million That's backstage it. promos anyway. How do you not have one for that? It's, it's, like, un- it's unbelievable. Man, like you're right. I want to watch that match. Right. Like, I, I, I think I, I didn't even real, I didn't even catch it through in that rundown until I, you said it. Right I now. think I just promoted it better than AEW did. 
in that moment right there. <laughs> Go watch that match. I will make sure I watch that match and talk about it on some show that we have. However, it's going to work out. This is an absolutely wild time right now. All right, Chris, look, that was the breakdown of everything that happened that kind of didn't directly have to do with AEW and GPW Forbidden Door. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get to the ultimate preview. Now, we came into Dynamite, and I believe there were only four matches booked for Forbidden Door. We left Dynamite, and there's now 10. So we're going to break these all down. There is a legitimate chance that they add matches on Rampage or Collision. I hope not, because I don't want this to age poorly or us to miss three matches that are suddenly going to be on the show. There's a lot of stuff thrown together here, so let's just get right into it. We're going to start with the low card, and we're going to build up to the main event of Forbidden Door. So first, we have Athena against Billy Starks in an Owen Hart tournament quarterfinal. So the three other matches will be across different shows that are not Forbidden Door. Britt Baker against Ruby Soho, Anna JAS against Sky Blue, and Nyla Rose against Willow Nightingale. Now, this goes for the men's tournament as well. Am I wrong that eight people feel small and rushed when last year's was 14 and it really should have been 16. They just couldn't fill it out. So they put buys in there. Yes. And also, isn't it weird that they're making a big deal about finishing this in Calgary and having so many of these events in Canada and there's not a single Canadian in either the women's or the men's field? I did not realize that. Yeah. That's so a good point. And there's a lot of Canadian wrestlers in, in the company. Yeah. Too, so it's ridiculous. So the competitors to me are completely random to some degree. Uh, here they're using ROH instead of AEW women. It's nonsensical when there's so many women on the AEW roster that don't get used. But look, Athena has been on a roll in ROH recently. I could be wrong. I thought she was the ROH women's champion. So for me, she's the obvious winner. here. Uh, yeah, I agree. That's the analysis for that match. Uh, CM Punk is going to fight Satoshi Kojima in the Owen Hart tournament quarterfinal as well. The three other matches for the men are all going to be on the June 29th collision. That's actually being taped on a Thursday for Saturday, so it's not going to be live. They're Roderick Strong against Samoa Joe, Dustin Rhodes against Powerhouse Hobbs, Juice Robinson against Ricky Starks. I just find the setup of this entire thing strange. It was also weird to just randomly state Kojima as Punk's opponent. He's only had one match on AEW TV, and that was 2021, Chris. You're going to remember this. It was the all-out match against John Moxley, which was random, but at least Moxley announced it on television. The dude is 52. He's a two-time IWGP heavyweight champion. I know it's a dream match for Punk, but there's no analysis here because there's no storyline. If there were odds set, it would have to be Punk minus 10,000, like the most sure thing in wrestling history. Punk... Looks like he might win the entire thing based on the way the the bracket has been built. It makes it weird that Joe would be a semifinal match and not a final, if that's the case. But yeah, I have Punk winning this. I have Punk as well. I remember Punk was um, not on the show last year. Uh, he had, I don't I think he may have gotten hurt or, or something like that. We thought we were going to get Punk, and then he he lost, and just he wasn't uh, on it. Look, if you remember Ring of Honor in 2003, this is an amazing match. But there's like as someone who like as, is aware of NJPW and the big wrestlers, but doesn't follow it religiously. There's like a line between like, oh, man, I'm fired up for this match. And like, this is too much of a nerdy wrestling match. Mm -hmm. This falls under that for me. I know he just came back. You got to shake off some rust or whatever. There, there's a couple other here's but but 
you've got a lot of big. I know the the Kenta match wasn't happening. We 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 hoped it would happen, didn't mm-hmm. happen. Maybe this is all that was available. But um, yeah, it's just, CM Punk's going to win this. Makes sense, and it's going to be. I have this maybe a very bad match. It just felt like Punk should have at some point said, "Hey, I want to be on this card. I want to be in this tournament." Tony Khan, give me Kojima. Like, just anything. Like, yeah, like just set it up. Just set it up to say, hey, this is a dream match for me. I want it. I know NJPW is coming. Tony, make the match happen. Or whoever, make the match happen. Or I dare you to come fight me. And like anything, just to make, make it matter to some degree. And you're right. There's a lot of fans who are like, oh my God, it's Punk's dream match. And I'm so happy for him. And I can't wait for it because I love Kojima and I watch NJPW religiously. That is a very small percentage of the AEW audience. And to the point that you made a moment ago, I actually want to ask you this question. And there is no hate for whatever answer you give. I want to make that very clear, okay? Because I do not believe, (laughs) no, because I don't believe that, I I think there's a large portion of AEW fans that have watched New Japan and know many of the names, even if they haven't seen them wrestle a lot. But of all the New Japan talent on this card, and I'm not asking you to look at the card and give me an exact number, what percentage like, are you actually familiar with where you've seen them wrestle? Well, I got to say probably a third to a half of them I saw last year, maybe for the first time. Fine. But then before, I, I'd before say, last year. I'd say, like, going into, I'd say like 50%. Going otherwise. into last year's Forbidden Door, what percentage? Probably like a third. Okay. And that's kind of what I'm getting now at I'm, here. Now I'm probably like, now I'm like probably like 60, 60, 70%. Okay, that's good. But that's because of AEW. Like, and, and, Correct. and because I mean, you've I, seen I, like, them I show up. I went to the G1 something. Climax when they were here in Dallas a couple of years ago, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't follow it all that closely. Okay. No, I was just curious about that. It was worth talking about. All right, let's move to the yeah. AEW International Championship match. <laughs> and again, like, <laughs> I got to tell you guys, I'm excited for Forbidden Door. And there's a lot more that we're going to talk about that I am legitimately excited about. But before I tell you the competitors for this match, I have to go through maybe the most ridiculous match announcement for a big match, a title match on a pay-per-view that I can remember. So on Dynamite, we had Orange Cassidy and Katsuyori Shibata against Daniel Garcia and Zack Sabre Jr. And this match was set up on TV. So good work from all four guys. Garcia avoided a running Cassidy. He accidentally hit Orange Punch on Shibata. Sabre then held Cassidy as Garcia rolled up Shibata for the win. So then Garcia and Sabre did a tug of war with the international title. Shibata grabbed it as well. And then Orange grabbed it. Before Orange even got in the ring to get his hand on the title, commentary announced that the fatal four-way for the title was happening as if it was already known. And then like 10 seconds later, they said Tony Khan just made it official. And this came after, I think it was last week, Orange and Sabre getting into it wanting a title versus title match. Like we, they wanted each other's title yet. Orange is the one who has to defend it. And we're supposed to believe all of it happened organically in this moment. It's one thing to suspend disbelief. I hate being treated like I'm an idiot by bookers. And that is how I felt coming out of this match where they're like, Oh yeah, you didn't know this match was happening. It is. And by the way, it's official right now when there was no reason for that to like Tony Khan would have to be the most like omniscient wrestling booker in the world where he saw this coming. So he was ready to book the match 30 seconds after a tag team match ended in a normal fashion. So look, Orange is retaining the title. He's not losing to anyone in this match. That's what I got here, Chris. You don't think Daniel Garcia has a shot? No. I'm picking Cassidy as well, but I think Garcia's got a shot at least. I'll say also, by the way, I knew of Zack Sabre Jr. already. 
Shibata, I only knew from Twitter because people said his, they took his brain out when he had to deal with that <laughs> the surgery thing. That's what I know him for. The reason why I'm not picking Garcia is because I don't think if Garcia won, he would be pinning Cassidy. And having Orange lose this title without getting pinned or submitted would be an absolute travesty given how great his title reign has been. And it has been a great title reign. Yeah, and, yeah, and we talked about that for the Battle Royal last time too. Yeah, and Shibata has the ROH, I think, pure title if memory serves. Uh, so Garcia, I think, is going after that. Sabre's already a champion for New Japan. Orange is a champion. So yeah, I just don't see a title change. I don't think it's going to happen here. Uh, AEW Women's Championship, Tony Storm against Willow Nightingale. Now, granted, we have gotten some story with them on TV recently, but it's pretty much all revolved around Sky Blue. The entire build for this was a taped dual promo that lasted 30 seconds on Dynamite. Pretty pathetic for a featured women's match. I have Tony Storm winning here. The reason why this might be intriguing for the Forbidden Door viewer is I don't really think this match is being held so that we see Storm fight Nightingale. If she's healthy, I would not be surprised if we see Mercedes Monet after this match, given she was supposed Mm. to be NJPW Strong Women's Champion instead of Willow, but they called an audible because Mercedes hurt her ankle and Willow took the title on that show. I'm of the belief that is the only reason this particular match is happening. It's for Mercedes to show up and challenge for the title and that match to probably happen at all in. I would disagree that this is the, re- I think it's very possible that that happens at the end that Mercedes Monet shows up, but I'm not going to say that's the only reason this match is happening because this is the only women's match on the main part of the card. So if you don't have this, there's, you'd have to, throw together some other women's match. And so but I this think isn't even at least one on there. And but that's what this is. here's my point. So New Japan doesn't have a women's division. The only woman signed to New Japan is Mercedes Monet. And stardom's not involved in this. So they couldn't really have Tony Storm fight anyone. So the person they have her fighting is the NJPW strong champion. But again, to get the NJPW contracted talent, which Willow is not on the show, I think it's Mercedes challenging Willow at the end. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Look, maybe Mercedes doesn't no, show up. I agree. At all. I agree about that. I agree about that at the end. Okay. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I wouldn't say that's the only reason it's happening. I mean, there was one women's match on Forbidden Door last year. It was Thunder Rosa beating Tony Storm. It was just a straight up AW match. I know there isn't. Uh, there isn't just you know NJPW women's talent. Right. But you got to have something on the card. No, no, no. You do. Would, you do. I'm saying. Put together. I'm saying the reason this specific match is booked is what I'm saying. I think Tony would be on the card no matter what fighting somebody. I'm saying I think the reason this particular match is happening is because of Mercedes. I could yeah. be wrong. I don't want you know I don't want to get everyone's hopes up and like be waiting at the end of this match for Mercedes to show up and she doesn't. You're like Silver King, why'd you lie to us? I'm not lying. I don't know anything. I'm just telling you, like thinking it through, it makes a lot of sense for me for that to be the case. That's all. Sure. All right. We have the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship on the line, Sonata against Jungle Boy. And this was not built at all. Um, <laughs> Jungle Boy challenged for it last week, and they didn't mention it. I mean, they mentioned it, I think, on the show, but we didn't see either of them. Maybe we'll see them on Rampage or Collision. Sonata's retaining the title. There is no way. The chances of Jungle Boy becoming the next IWGP World Heavyweight Champion are... <laughs> zero point zero. Zero point zero. Correct. But I am curious. I, I, I 
hope Jungle Boy can show out and look good in this match. You know, he's he's at that spot where like he kind of needs to get the bigger matches, the bigger people as a singles wrestler to just kind of kickstart wherever he's going to go. I personally don't think he's going to get to that level continuing to dress the way he does. But in a loincloth, yeah, uh, the loincloth, the side, the sideburns, just there's a lot of it there that needs to. He's elevated himself now. Now, don't look like a child from the jungle anymore. <laughs> Be jungle man, you know, like just I don't know. But so this is about, you know, can he hold his own against the IWGP heavyweight champion? And that's ultimately, I think, the story you're going to want to try to get out of this because, yeah, he's not winning. Yeah, and this will be a good match. I think the wrestling is going to be really solid. Don't get me wrong. It's just, you know, we have MJF defending against Tanahashi. And then we have Sonata Jungle Boy for the IWGP title. I mean, it just doesn't fit. It's one of the weirdest matches on the entire card. Again, I do think the wrestling will be good. But And by the way, um, you know, Jim Ross was heavily criticized for saying, hey, you know, Jungle Boy is a name and a gimmick like, it's not going to work for this kid long term. He really needs to go by Jack yeah. Perry. People shit all over Jr. Guess what? He was one thousand percent correct. Yep. Uh, Les Suzuki gods are going to fight Darby Allen Sting, and then a partner TBA. So Jericho, after the match we talked about earlier, uh, said he didn't care about sharing the ring with Sting at all. He called him a whore because Sting goes wherever there's a highest bidder. So Jericho challenged to make this six-man tag team match. The face is interrupted. Tony Schiavone completely lost contain on his bowels. Sting accepted the match. And then Darby teased that their partner would be unveiled Sunday. But I'm pretty sure during Excalibur's 21 announcement deal, they said it's going to be announced Saturday. Uh, this is an appropriate high level. Yeah, it's Saturday. Yeah, D Darby said, I will tell you on collision. Oh, he did. Okay, so I got that wrong. Okay, yeah. so it's happening Saturday. Yeah. Uh, this is an appropriate high-level undercard match featuring some big names. On a show like this, that's all we really need in some of the spots. A lot of big names in a multi-person match. It's what NJPW does all the time on their big shows. So I'm 1,000% fine. But there is no way that this match is happening in this kind of format with a TBA competitor for the baby faces and the faces are losing. So I'm definitely picking Darby Sting and whoever their partner is going to be. I'm going to guess that Sammy takes the fall and that leads to more consternation between him and Jericho. I agree on all that. I liked the little bit where Jericho said, who is it? And Sting leaned over and seemed to tell Jericho. But then Darby said, we'll tell you on collision. I don't know what Sting was saying to Jericho. I thought he was. I thought so did Sting I. was telling Jericho. I thought so too. And Jericho was going to be like, and Jericho was going to like go bug eyed and whatever, mm -hmm. and 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 that. But then Darby says, "We'll tell you on Saturday." I don't know if they just. I don't know exactly what was going on there, but um, look, Sting Jericho. That's kind of the storyline uh, for the first time, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I, I don't know if you can probably can't put either of these guys in a singles match together, but. We're going to get Jericho Sting face to face in a, in a, in a wrestling moment. And that's going to be really cool. Yeah, I think Sting said that he will never wrestle another singles match. So uh, this is the best you're going to wow. get if to get Sting and Jericho. And that's fine. Like, we're going to get them in the ring. It's going to be a big moment. The crowd's going to go ape shit when it happens. And the match is going to be really good. The, the people involved here are awesome. Suzuki's great. Jericho, Sammy and TBA. You know, I don't know who that is yet, but, you know, obviously we'll, we'll find out. There are some things I did know including who's going to be part of this next match that we're going to talk about momentarily. 
but I have no idea who their partner is going to be. I'm sure someone else out there does. We have the elite Eddie Kingston and then one surprise partner against Blackpool Combat Club, Konosuke Takashka, and Shota Umino. I believe this is going to be a 10-man tag team match, if my math is correct. Uh, on Dynamite, Mox cut a promo with BCC, Takeshka, and Don Callis. Mox talked his normal talk, and he challenged the elite to this match, saying Takeshka was an ally, and obviously he's going to bring in Umino, his young boy shooter from New Japan. The elite had a pre-taped acceptance of this match, saying it would be easy to find a couple partners. Kingston came in saying he dislikes them, but he hates Claudio Castagnoli more. So he would join them as long as he gets to side the fifth member himself because he wants to choose someone that he trusts. So then Kingston came out in the Dynamite main event, the final minutes of the show, saying the elite left because they were bothered by him. Spoiler alert, they weren't there at all because CM Punk was on the show. So they pre-taped their segment. Eddie mentioned Mox's name. So John walked through the crowd saying Kingston drew the line in their relationship by joining up with the elite. Eddie shot back. He said, Mox, you drew the line when you decided to team up with that scumbag, Claudio. Then he said, here's my partner. And Tomohiro Ishii, the stone freaking pit bull, was announced as the fifth man for the faces and BCC attacked Kingston. Like what we just discussed, this is an appropriate high-level undercard match featuring a ton of big names integrating both companies. This one is more interesting than the one we just discussed because there's actually legitimate connections and it's not as random. There are people on both sides who can take the fall, so it really could go either way. But I don't think, Chris, it makes that much sense to have the elite win a match in this series until the last one when they are full strength with Kenny Omega and everyone else. So I'm taking the heels, Blackpool Combat Club, Takeshka, and Umino in this match. I'm taking the heels as well. I was kind of disappointed by this because a couple of weeks or month or so ago, when the elite said Kenny Omega had said to the crowd that like, Hey, we need to get our friends from new Japan. And we all thought that was going to be Ibushi. We were going to get the golden elite at forbidden door or something like that. Uh, that is obviously not happening. And so I have to accept that and deal with that. It's, it's a weird team, at least Eddie, like Eddie Kingston being there. It's weird, but they explained it and it totally makes sense. Like, I just hate Claudio so much that I'm going to be on your team so I can punch him in the face. All right, that works for me. So, uh, you know, Elite, BCC, they're kind of just doing this in many different ways as it continues to move on, which is fine. But I agree. I'm going with the heels. Are you familiar with Ishii by any chance? Yes, uh, I, w- I got familiar with him uh, leading into Forbidden Door last year. Oh, okay. He... um. Coming out of New Japan when I was watching it religiously, which was for a period of time a few years ago, uh, he is one of those guys that like he pops to me on screen. Like you have the guys who can fly around and do the crazy shit. He's just a bowling ball of badass. Like he, he's awesome. So anyone listening, if you have not seen Ishii or if you don't remember him from last year, uh, he's going to be a great addition to this match. I'm very excited to see him work with Kingston and the elite. Those two are very different than everyone else in the match. So it's going to be really interesting dynamics to see all of them go head to head. Now the AEW world champ. And Ishii, was, and Ishii wasn't on the show last year because he got hurt right before it. He was going to be on it, but I think got pulled because of injury. Ah, so how were you familiar with him then? Because he was on Dynamite and stuff like that. Oh, and he fought uh, Eddie Kingston in like a pre-show match on a pay-per-view. That sounds year, right. I think. That sounds right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, AEW World Championship, MJF defending against Hiroshi Tanahashi. At the end of the MJF Cole segment we mentioned earlier, Tanahashi appeared on the big screen with the same challenge I think it was from last week. MJF was about to decline again when Adam Cole goaded him into taking the match to prove that Tanahashi is not better than him. And he did that by getting the crowd to chant coward. And that was the entire setup for this. Uh, MJF is not losing the title to Tanahashi. Could he? Sure. Tanahashi beating MJF, it would be completely legitimate. He is a freaking legend. He is the John Cena of New Japan Pro Wrestling, but he's not beating MJF. He will retain. He'll probably cheat to do so. It'll end up being a really good match. I'm curious to see what kind of match we get in terms of like work rate and how long it goes and how much Tanahashi is put over or if he's going to work to completely put over MJF. This is, out of all the matches on the card, the one I am most curious about and least sure of in terms of how it's going to unfold other than the winner, which will be MJF retaining the title. Yeah, MJF's going to win. I like Going back to the Cole-MJF segment, mm-hmm. I liked the segment for what it was, but it was a peak example of it not being a go-home show segment. We sh- This should have just been an MJF promo, just shitting on Japanese wrestling and all kinds of stuff and indie fed stuff that he said before. Like, And then Tanahashi's message happens, then Adam Cole does the coward stuff. And then he accepts Mm -hmm. because like the build on dynamite was for Cole and MJF teaming together moving forward. Oh man, I can't believe that. Oh, by the way, he's got a match on Sunday, but man, Cole and MJF like it doing it in that order, I think kind of just takes away from you're right. How big of a match this is. Mm -hmm. MJF was not on the show last year. This is uh, obviously there's a lot of big matches on this show, but this is a huge one. Japanese legend against MJF. This is another, this will be another notch on MJF's belt if he puts together a great match, assuming he will, of like, look at all these things MJF is doing this year. The Brian Danielson match, just everything that's going on. A Tanahashi win on top of that. That's huge for him. So they didn't do it here. I hope when MJF wins and we see him on Dynamite, we get a big promo from him about how big of a deal this was because they have not properly hyped up how big of a deal this is. Yeah, I think that's completely true. Uh, IWGP United States Championship, Kenny Omega defending against Will Ospreay. On Dynamite, Ospreay was unloading his SUV saying he needed security to protect him from Americans and Canadians who are trash. So Callus came up offering private security to Ospreay in Toronto, which is where, of course, Forbidden Door is located. Now, this not main eventing with Callus clearly playing some kind of role, I am not expecting a clean finish. Now, I'd like to think that if that's the booking, it would lead to Osprey winning the title and Callus screwing over Omega. That way, Osprey could take it back to Japan. But with All In coming up, and of course, that is in London, and this show, Forbidden Door, being in Toronto, it makes the most sense to me that having the second match between these guys, and by the way, the first match, which was at NJPW Wrestle Kingdom in January, may well be the match of the year. I mean, it was day two of 2023. It's a five-star match, and many people will argue it is the match of the year and remains the match of the year halfway through. So now we're getting part two. And I believe Omega is going to win and retain the title in his home country of Canada. 
which will lead to a third match at All In, Osprey, Omega, where Osprey wins in London in front of his hometown fans. So for that reason, I'm picking Omega. But I will say, Callus getting involved, it makes me think not a clean finish, and it gives more credence to Osprey taking the title than I thought he would have more possibility coming into Dynamite on Wednesday. Yeah, I had forgotten. I didn't really put it together until Callis had that bit about, you know, you're going into Toronto. These fans are going to be violent. I'm going to get you security, yada, yada, yada. I, I, Everything you said makes sense. Kenny wins in Canada. Osprey wins in London. Boom, boom, boom. But I do feel they did a good job of making me feel like anything can happen. Mm-hmm. And part of that is if All In is going to be AEW's biggest show ever, do you want Kenny Omega losing on that show? You know, and they've kind of made the storyline in this one. Osprey's upset about the Wrestle Kingdom loss. He wants his revenge. But does he win in Canada and then Omega wins in London? That's kind of it is kind of backwards. So I'm I'm going with you. I'm, I'm going to say Kenny wins here. But I do think this could go either way. And that makes me even more excited. Yeah, for sure. Now, let's get to the main event of the evening. Brian Danielson against Kazuchka. Okada. And when we use the term dream match, folks, this is what we mean. On Dynamite, Danielson, in that same BCC promo I talked about earlier, said he was disappointed that he challenged Okada to a face-to-face, but Okada's not even in the building. So Brian said, I'll wait until the end of Dynamite before calling you out. And Okada, if you don't show up, you're an amateur and a coward. So repeating the same stuff they've been repeating. Obviously, Okada showed up. He did that as Brian was attacking during the main event segment with Kingston and Mox and all that we talked about. So Okada got a huge ovation. They stared each other down. Wheeler Yuta attacked Okada from behind, but Okada dodged a running knee from Brian, which hit Yuta. Then Brian dodged Rainmaker and slid out of the ring. So Okada absolutely murdered Yuta with Rainmaker to stand tall as Dynamite went off the air. And for a dream match, and like I said, this is absolutely a dream match, it would have been nice to have a much more significant storyline and build. But look, it's tough when... Okada is stationed in Japan. It's just unfortunate that it felt rushed and thrown together, which is really a paradigm for the entire card. If this was going to be an annual event, which it seems now that Forbidden Door is going to be, AEW needs to just set aside four weeks from its calendar, get some of the New Japan guys over to the United States and vice versa, and truly build these matches with storylines. I'm not saying everyone needs storylines but your main event does. And it just doesn't have one other than this is a dream match, tune in to see a dream match. And you know, that's fine for like boxing and MMA. You just want to see the two best guys go at it. But this is professional wrestling. And I like storyline with my stuff. I'm not saying this match or the show won't be great. I think both are going to be great. I have a feeling this match is going to be phenomenal. And we may walk out of Forbidden Door saying, oh yeah, Omega Osprey won. Oh yeah, Omega Osprey 2. Oh yeah, some of the great WWE matches we've had this year. Take a back seat. Danielson Okada is the match of the year. That is the ceiling. It has that opportunity. But I just wish we got a little bit more build coming into it. Now, in terms of predicting a winner for this match, Chris, I just really don't know. It could actually go either way. What's crazy is coming into this, both of these guys are like, on losing streaks as singles competitors. Okada has been working multi-man matches for months. 
His last singles match was April 8th when he lost the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship to Sonata at Sakura Genesis. He has not had a singles match since then. Danielson has also been wrestling multi-man matches and the singles matches he's had, I think his last one may have been against MJF. He lost that one, the Iron Man match. So both of these guys are on quote unquote losing streaks coming in. And it's extremely odd to me that they're going into this match and there's not really a clear person to predict is going to be the winner. Now, what I'm going to base this on is two factors. One is age and the other is long-term benefit. And Danielson has stated that his goal in AEW is to have great matches, put people over, and just have a ball with the remainder of his career. Okada is the number one guy in New Japan. He is the Roman Reigns of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And in a match like this, as great as it would be for Danielson to win and them to rematch next year, you can't guarantee that, unfortunately. And because of some of the other match results that I've predicted tonight, on top of everything I just said, I'm going to pick Okada to beat Danielson in the main event of Forbidden Door. I am also going with Okada for basically the reasons you said. Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, is at the point in his career. He doesn't need the win. He's here to have these matches. He can lose, and it means nothing to even the American crowd. Brian Danielson could lose five matches in a row, and if he got a title shot, you'd be like, all right, yep, that's fine. I totally get it. He he is obviously at that level. He can lose. Um, Okada, man, every time... I like I don't watch him frequently. Every time I, he gets in the ring, I am blown away just how big this dude is. Like you ever see like just another happens to be another Japanese athlete, but like Sh- Shohei Otani is massive, and it's like the exact same vibe you get with Okada. And this is going to be really fun. This is going to be a great match. Like you said, could be a match of the year candidate. And I just I think Okada wins as well. And I may have said this last year. I, I but I had forgotten. Okada's theme is awesome. Mm-hmm. It is really cool. The, the the little you know the 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 raindrop stuff that happens at the beginning. Great moment that gets everybody fired up. You mean you know the coin? And then it just you mean the coin fall? The coin, yes, sorry, the coin, <laughs> coin fall. And then it's 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 and then it just rocks out. And I I love it. I listened yeah. to it after Dynamite went off the air. Um, yeah, we didn't have. I, I keep going through the card. And like you realize, like we'll we'll talk about it next with our previews, but like Brian Danielson wasn't on the card last year, MJF wasn't on the card last year, mm-hmm. CM Punk wasn't on the card last year. There, this year's card is really great. This is absolutely a worthy main event. This these this especially is the kind of dream match we wanted when Forbidden Door was a thing, right? And so this is certainly absolutely correct to be the main event of the show, and it's going to be. It's going to be awesome. Now, while this is going to be the main event of Forbidden Door, it's actually not going to be the last match we talk about here because as we tape this podcast, we have a spoiler alert. So I'm saying this right now. Everyone can skip maybe 60 seconds in this podcast so you don't get spoiled. But something is happening on Rampage and a match was made, an additional match was made for Forbidden Door. So Chris, you and I are going to discuss it right now unprompted without any preparation whatsoever. We'll give our picks just that way we complete our ultimate preview because it is called the ultimate preview after all. So long story short, there's a segment on Rampage with MJF. He said he spoke to Tony Khan. I guess he probably said it was unfair that he had to fight and Cole did not. 
So he got Adam Cole booked in a match against filthy Tom Lawler at Forbidden Door. That is an extremely and completely random match. There is no way Adam Cole loses. So my prediction is Cole. Uh, This is somebody I was not familiar with. I looked him up when you said his name. Because I don't know who he is, I'm picking Adam Cole. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fair enough. All right, that is the ultimate preview for AEW and JPW Forbidden Door, which leaves us with our final segment as we give you a pre-show expectation grade for this pay-per-view. Now, do not forget, we will have pre- and post-show polls available for you to vote in on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Be sure to follow us. Vote in the pre-show poll, obviously, before Forbidden Door, and the post-show poll as soon as it goes off the air, and we will refer to both in our AEW and JPW Forbidden Door instant reaction podcast as soon as the show goes off the air. But Chris, let's break it down right now, our pre-show grades. Whenever we do grades, you get to go first. So what is your expectation grade for Forbidden Door? Last year, my prediction going in was quite low. I want to say it was B, maybe B plus. And it was partly because it wasn't as dream matchy as we had wanted. And some of the biggest AEW stars were not there. Well, they're here now. And so as I look at this card, currently 11 matches now, mm-hmm. I'm, I think I'm going to say A, because you're getting Omega Osprey, Danielson Okada, MJF Tanahashi, and a couple of tag matches that should be really fun. But those three matches on those are three absolute surefire main event level matches. And so I think it has to be an A, if only because you have those three matches on the card. But everything else like works. There's 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 nothing really here that I don't care about at all. And that's a big step forward from Forbidden Door a year ago. When there was remember last year going into that show. Everybody was like, man, this build kind of sucks. We're not getting dream matches. Mm -hmm. Nothing's really happening on Dynamite. And then the show blew us away. And it was the most fun show uh, of the year that AEW did. My expectations are higher, a lot higher now because of that. Plus, we're getting the matches we wanted. So I'm going to say I'm going to say a. Yeah, it really takes a lot for me to give something an expectation grade of an A. And I actually disagree with you to say, There's not one match I don't care about. There's multiple matches I don't care about. I don't give a shit about either of the Owen tournament quarterfinals at all. I really don't care about the international fatal four-way that was kind of built up out of nowhere. And Sonata Jungle Boy, I don't care about either. Now, besides those, I care about the rest. So I care about, and even Cole Lawler, like I think it's going to be interesting, but I don't care that much about it. But I could say I care about seven of 11 matches. And that's still a significant amount. But the point that you made, Danielson Okada, Omega Osprey, MJF Tanahashi. That is a legitimate triple main event. Any of those could be last, but on the same card, probably only Danielson Okada or Omega Osprey. But still, you're talking about a match of the year rematch in Omega Osprey and a legitimate historic dream match in Danielson Okada. So if there was ever a pay-per-view I was going to go into, with an expectation grade of an A, it's this. I completely agree with you. You have to be at an A going in. Now, will this reach A or A plus? I can't tell you that. I don't know. By the time I watch it and complete it Sunday, and I'm on here at who the hell knows what time, 12.30, 1, you know, by the time this thing actually ends, 
if I'm going to be, how exhausted I'm going to be, if the matches earlier in the card I'm going to care about, if they're going to drag down the rest of the show, if there's going to be disappointing booking, it's impossible to say. But when you have matches of that high of a caliber at the end of your card, man, you have to go in thinking it's going to be an A. It should be better than last year. Last year, I think we both walked out of it saying A for the final grade, maybe A minus, but I think we were at A. So I don't see why this wouldn't be as good or better than it. You know, you have to contextualize this, right? This is a wrestling show. It is not a sports entertainment type of grade that we're giving it here. You know, for WWE, I don't know how many times you've ever given an A expectation grade going in. I think maybe for WrestleMania, we might have overall, just because the card was so strong. So it's very rare to get something like that. And we don't do it frequently. And it's very difficult to live up to it when the expectation is an A. And my expectation for Daniel Sinokata is five stars. And my expectation for Omega Osprey is five stars. Like you have to hit those, you know, checkpoints in order to get the A grade because that's what I'm expecting coming in. The crazy part of it is it's not unfair to have those expectations. That's the level of performers that we're dealing with here. So despite some lacking storytelling, despite some frustration with the build, Chris, I'm right there with you. I think this is going to be an A show and I'm extremely excited for Forbidden Door on Sunday. Yeah, it's 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 going to be it's a fun concept. You know, like when when this whole thing happened last year, you had oh man, think of all these dream matches we're going to get and then we didn't get any of them. And it was like, ah, how much are they really going to give and get? But if this turns out to be another. A type of show, Mm -hmm. this instantly becomes like one of the like one of the just like the pinnacle things for AEW every year. It becomes the show we look forward to the most every year. They don't have a WrestleMania. They haven't really created a show that is like a WrestleMania. But if this show delivers again, it kind of becomes that for the intense wrestling fans who at least know who the New Japan people are. And so AEW, you know, used to do four pay-per-views a year. Then it became five with Forbidden Door. You're doing all in this year as well. So it's kind of six. Um, if you're if you do only a handful of those, you got to make them count. And the others have been up and down, especially the last handful of pay-per-views have mm-hmm. been down. But the freshness of Forbidden Door makes us uh, really exciting, even with not as great uh, storytelling. Yeah, I mean, this is very much like the equivalent of an NFL, AFL, Super Bowl, you know, merger type of game, right? Like it's it's the best of the best from two companies going head to head. And the booking here is what we expected last year. We didn't get it for a variety of extenuating circumstances, injuries, absences, disagreements. You know, there was so many reasons why last year was not built with the match caliber that we expected. And yet it was still an A or A minus show that we gave it at the end. So this coming in, you have to be as high, if not higher on it. And Dude, yeah, I'm super excited for Forbidden Door. I'm excited to bring you all this Ultimate Preview. I hope you enjoyed it. And I will be excited on Sunday to bring you AEW and JPW Forbidden Door instant reaction. Do not miss the podcast as soon as that show goes off the air. Do not forget already in the podcast feed over the last week, we have that AEW Collision instant reaction show you can listen to from last Saturday. On Tuesday, the big time WWE show. On Wednesday, we had the NXT Gold Rush reaction, along with the exclusive sit-down interview the Silver King did with WWE ring announcer Samantha Irvin. We have, like I just mentioned, the instant reaction for Forbidden Door coming up this Friday. And then on Tuesday, your WWE Money in the Bank 
Ultimate Preview. Things are going fast and furious here on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast, and we love that you are along for the ride with us. On the way out, a reminder that this show is all about Defy. So leave those five-star ratings on Apple Podcasts on Spotify. You can also leave a review on Apple. And if you do, we will read it live right here on the show. Don't forget. I happen to love the number five. So for only $5 a month, you can become an official getting overhead. Join us at buymeacoffee.com slash getting over. Sign up. You get bonus audio news posts and you get to support the show again, all for only $5 a month. And please follow us on Twitter at getting overcast, not only for episode drops, news analysis, highlights, all that good stuff, but also to vote in the polls this week. Chris, thank you for joining on this AEW and JPW Forbidden Door Ultimate Preview. We will be back on Sunday. At this point, it is time for the Silver King to sign off and leave you with three final words. Bye for now.